Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, you made a choice to be here today, and we're thankful for that. Uh, like Will said, church attendance kind of has everything working against it today. Uh, it's raining outside. The time changed. Rattlesnake Roundup weekend is going on, and I'm preaching. Uh, most of y'all didn't know I was preaching, or you might not be here. Uh, but anyway, thinking about the, the Rattlesnake Roundup, I remember... As a kid, I used to always enjoy going on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we would typically leave church and rush over to the Roundup and eat lunch there uh, in one of the food trailers. And I remember the funnel cakes, the fried Snickers, all kinds of good food. I also realized that some of you may be craving one of those giant turkey legs right now. And I might be the only thing standing between Will Donovan and a giant turkey leg. So I'm going to go as fast as I can this morning. Uh, some of you are looking forward to spring break. Brother Matt and Sonda and uh, the kids are taking a little time off this week for spring break. And so uh, we're thankful that they're able to do that. And we hope that uh, they're able to get some rest and, and have a little fun and just enjoy their time together. If you don't know me, my name is Justin Alexander. I'm not a preacher, and the bad news is you're stuck with me this morning for the next few minutes. Uh, so before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for bringing us here today. I just pray that you would hide me behind the cross this morning and that you would, you would speak to us, show us something from your word. Thank you for loving us, thank you for blessing us, and thank you for being here with us today. Amen. Do any of y'all ever worry about things? You ever get anxious or nervous about something? See a little boy over there shaking his head. Uh, I know he can relate to what I'm about to say. Uh, I'm a worrier. And don't misunderstand me. I didn't say warrior. I'm a worrier. I tend to worry about everything. It seems like worry and anxiety often hit me the hardest when I'm still and quiet. Uh, usually that's the first time I open my eyes in the morning. Sometimes it's 2 a.m. Sometimes it's 4 a.m. Uh, if I'm lucky, it's 5 or 6 a.m. before the worry and anxiety and nerves set in. Uh, usually when that happens, I lay there and toss and turn. Uh, I've learned that it's useless to try to go back to sleep. Sometimes I just wallow in my misery. Sometimes I roll over and try to cuddle with my wife. Uh, usually that ends up with an elbow to the rib cage. Uh, but over time, I've actually become a morning person because I've learned that the easiest way to distract myself from Worry and anxiety is just to get up and, and get busy. Maybe some of you can relate to that. I was a shy kid growing up. One of the biggest sources of worry and anxiety for me was anything where I felt like I was in the spotlight or the center of attention. I love sports, but I'd get really nervous before any kind of sporting event. The worst source of 
nervousness for me, though, was any type of public speaking. Uh, now I'm 43 years old, and guess what? Not much has changed. When Brother Matt asked me to fill in for him, I said, sure, because that's what I usually do. But as I thought about it, I got this sick, nervous, kind of empty feeling in my stomach like I always do. So after a few weeks of early mornings, not as much sleep as normal, and some stomach aches, here I am. We're still in the sermon series, Jesus is Better, and today we're going to be talking about Moses. You've probably all seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, with Charlton Heston. Bill Airy was sitting in the back of the first service, and I told him, I, I can't, ever since he grew out his beard, I can't think about Moses without picturing Bill Airy. Uh, I just think he would make a great Moses if they ever decide to make another movie. Uh, the younger ones in here have probably seen the movie Prince of Egypt, the animated version of Moses. Either way, you're probably familiar with the story of Moses, how God used him to rescue the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, how he led them through the wilderness, and how he eventually took them to the promised land. I'll have to be honest that most of my life, things have come easy for me. I haven't had too many struggles. You could say I've been blessed, lucky, or more likely, likely you could call me spoiled. But for some reason, this sermon has been a struggle for me. I've been able to overcome worry and anxiety in the past when it comes to public speaking by just trying to be really prepared. Preparation for this sermon, though, hasn't gone very well. As I struggled over what to preach about, I skimmed over the books in the Old Testament and tried to come up with a list of some of the highlights of Moses' life. I like to watch ESPN. I like the Sports Center Top Ten. So I thought it would be clever to come up with a top ten list of Moses' highlights. As I began to make my list, I quickly realized I was already at number 25 and I wasn't anywhere close to being finished. I just stopped where I was at and tried to narrow the list down. So here's kind of a short list of some of Moses' highlights in no particular order. As an infant, Moses was placed in a wicker basket and turned loose in the Nile River. He was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses witnessed and heard God's voice through the burning bush, the bush that didn't burn up. Moses was the first snake charmer. Y'all probably didn't know they used to let men try out for snake charmer. If you'll remember, Moses threw his staff on the ground and it turned into a snake. He picked the snake up by the tail and it turned back into a staff. Moses struck the Nile River with his staff and turned the water to blood. At one point, Moses took handfuls of soot out of a keel, threw them up in the air, and the fine dust scattered out over Egypt and became boils on all of the Egyptian people, their livestock too. Another time, Moses stretched his staff toward the sky, and hail and lightning fell like never had before. 
He stretched his staff out over Egypt at one point, and an east wind came in and brought locusts that covered the land. While in the wilderness, Moses even took a tree and threw it in the bitter waters of Marah, turned the water sweet, and the Israelites were able to drink. While at Horeb, Moses struck the rock, and water flowed from it, and the people drank. When the Israelites battled the Amalekites, Moses stood on top of the hill, and as long as his hands were raised in the air, Israel prevailed. So with the help of Aaron and Hur, Moses held his hands in the air all day long until the battle was won. Moses was a mountain climber. He climbed to the top of Mount Sinai multiple times to meet God face to face. One time he climbed to the top of Mount Sinai carrying two tablets that he had cut out of stone. He must have been a strong guy. I can just imagine what his calves looked like. Another time when God's anger burned against the Israelites, Moses appealed to God and changed God's mind. Finally, probably the most notable highlight of Moses, one that you're all familiar with, with Pharaoh's army in hot pursuit, the Israelites were trapped up against the Red Sea. Moses raised his staff and his arm in the air, and the Red, Red Sea waters parted. Moses and the Israelites were able to walk across on dry ground. After they had crossed, Moses turned and raised his staff again, and the water returned, washing over the, Israel, or the Pharaoh's army. I could go on and on talking about things that Moses did, but we'd be here all day. Moses was a great leader, and he was a faithful servant of God. God used Moses in miraculous ways to do great things. So as I tried to continue to prepare for this sermon, I began to feel overwhelmed. There's too much to talk about. I didn't know where to begin. didn't know where to stop kind of felt like I was up against the Red Sea and didn't have anywhere to go. The enemy, anxiety, was chasing after me. Progress was definitely at a standstill. A few days later, I got an email from Brother Matt. Brother Matt always comes to the rescue. The email read this. Justin, here are some thoughts on the March 10th message, Jesus is better than Moses. I plan to preach from Hebrews 3 because the author sets up a slam dunk message about Jesus being greater than Moses. Matt goes on to say in the email, if it was me, I'd marinate on the Hebrews 3 message. Second email from Matt gave me the guidelines on how to give a swell talk. Just like that, I thought my prayer was answered. I had a specific scripture to focus on. And Brother Matt promised it would set up a slam dunk message. A slam dunk even fit in with my Sports Center Top Ten theme. But as I thought about it, I realized Hebrews in the New Testament, and Moses' story is in the Old Testament, the first five books to be exact. I had never even thought about preaching about Moses from Hebrews. But like Brother Matt suggested, I began to marinate on the passage in Hebrews chapter 3. If you would, take your Bible and let's turn there right now. Hebrews chapter 3. It's also on the screen. 
I'll give you just a second to turn there if you'd like. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was so much was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Sorry, Matt. But as I read that passage over and over, I got nothing. Some people, like my wife, are readers and have the ability to read a bunch of confusing words and somehow extract meaning out of it. Tamara, as a former English and literature teacher, loves to read complicated things and interpret the deep meaning hidden within. To me, confusing words are just confusing words. That scripture just wasn't speaking to me. I got lost in the confusion. I'm one of those people that would prefer just to look at the pictures. If you share that struggle with me, especially when it comes to the Bible, I suggest that you get a study Bible like I have. One that has lots of footnotes where you can read the background on the text. Maybe one with pictures in it where you can look at the pictures. As I continued to try to prepare for the sermon, the more I marinated, as Matt suggested, the more I tried to overthink things. I felt like I was banging my head up against the wall. I should have known better because we only marinate things that are about to get cooked. I continued to struggle to get a sermon on paper, and as March 10th marched closer, the more worried and nervous I got. I now had a list of Moses' highlights, a sermon title, and some confusing scripture that I didn't understand. Knowing I was running out of time, had to come up with something, I decided I would come up with a list of Moses' failures. The failure list isn't quite as long. So here's the Moses' not top seven. Here's some things that I can definitely relate to. Did y'all know that Moses made excuses to God? Five different excuses to be exact. The first excuse Moses made was, I'm not good enough. In Exodus 3 verse 11, he says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Excuse number two, I don't have the answers. Exodus 3, verse 13, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Excuse number three, People won't believe me. In Exodus 4, verse 1, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. 
Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Excuse number four. I can definitely relate to this one. I'm a terrible public speaker. In Exodus 4 verse 10, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Some people say that Moses stuttered. I think maybe he was just a slow talker like I am. Excuse number five used by Moses. I'm not qualified. Exodus 4 verse 13. But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. In other words, send someone else. Let someone else do it. I don't want to do it. Sounds a whole lot like the same excuses I wanted to use when Brother Matt asked me to preach today. Some of you may use some of those excuses when God calls you to do something. Not only did Moses make excuses, he also disobeyed God at times. In Numbers chapter 20, God told Moses to go and speak to the rock and it will yield its water. But Moses let anger and pride get in the way, and he struck the rock with his staff instead, thus disobeying God. Finally, in an ultimate not top ten moment, or not top seven, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land because of his disobedience. Deuteronomy 32, 51-52 says, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel, for you shall see the land at a distance, but you shall not go there into the land which I am giving to the sons of Israel. Okay, so now we've kind of been refreshed on many of the things that Moses got right and a few of the ways that Moses fell short. So let's go back to that text in Hebrews chapter 3 that I didn't understand. The footnotes in my Bible point out that the Jews of that day knew all about Moses. To them, he was a hero, he was a leader, and he was a great man of faith that God had used to deliver his people out of Egypt. But they were missing the point. As I continue to read that passage over and over, two words in verse 1 began to jump out at me. It's kind of like those two words were in flashing bold print, capital letters, and all the confusing words around them kind of faded away. I believe that the two words that God intended for us to hear today is this. Consider Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. Christians, church family, that's us. That's who he's talking to right there. Consider Jesus. In other words, give Jesus your complete attention. Observe his superiority. Place your trust in him. It's not about Moses. As great as Moses was, Jesus was better. 
when pride makes me think that I'm the center of attention, even when it comes to giving a sermon, I need to consider Jesus. Whenever struggles wake us up in the middle of the night, cause us to worry, cause us to be anxious, we need to consider Jesus. It's not about me, and it's not about my struggle. Jesus is better than all of those things. If I stand up here and stumble over my words, trip over the stool, make a fool out of myself, that's really a small price to pay compared to the sacrifice that Jesus made for each of us. Moses was a faithful servant, but Jesus was the ultimate example of faith. Philippians 2, verses 8 through 11 says this, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The story of Moses physically delivering the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, points us to God's greater plan to deliver all of us. That plan to deliver us from sin, from death. That greater plan that God had all along was Jesus. Jesus is the answer to everything. Does your life point others to Jesus? We have an opportunity to be faithful like Moses was. An opportunity when others look at us that they see Jesus. Consider Jesus this morning. Jesus is better. As the band comes up, I will say that this, this sermon has been a painful experience for me. Um, I think God wanted me to realize that I'm incapable and that I truly need Him. I think He also wanted me to, to think about our pastor a little bit. Uh, Brother Matt has told me before that preaching is kind of like giving birth. And I don't know how Matt knows what giving birth feels like, uh, but I think I can relate a little bit. You spend all week preparing for something, struggling with it. Sunday morning gets here and you push and push and something comes out. Uh, in the case of Trinity, you do it in the first service and then have to turn around and deliver that baby again in the second service. And then in Matt's case, Monday gets here and the process starts over and it's on and on and on. I'm thankful that I don't do this very often, but our pastor does this every week and preaching is just a small, small fraction of what he does. I want to ask you this morning just to remember Brother Matt, his family. Keep them in your prayers. Uh, pray that they are getting some rest. Pray that they are enjoying their time together 
enjoying a break and pray that they come back to us eager to continue God's word. Thank you all for being here. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the story of Moses. Thank you for the example of faith that he was. And how you led him to do things that he wasn't capable of on his own. Thank you that he trusted you and allowed you to lead him. Lord, I thank you most of all for your greater plan. I thank you for your son that humbled himself, came to live on earth, came to die a terrible death on the cross. But I thank you most of all that he rose again. The death and sin has no claim on us because of that. I thank you for the promise of eternal life that we have through your son, Jesus. I ask all these things in his name. Amen.